I want to thank the birds that are out and about. And I want to thank the snow. You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. It was negative four degrees when I met Duncan Murdoch a couple of weeks ago at Shelburne Farms. There was this sparkly haze that hung in the air as we walked up the hill behind the farm barn and into the woods to find a place to sit. I first met Duncan in January 2019 at that very spot at Shelburne Farms. He was leading a forest bathing workshop that a friend had invited me to. Forest bathing, which first originated in Japan, is a research-based practice for supporting healing and wellness through immersion in forests and other natural environments. And in the workshop I attended back in 2019, I remember sitting in the snow listening to the birds, feeling the sun on my face, and being completely present. And I felt that way for days. Duncan is a former actor, and he's a certified nature and forest therapy guide now. He started forest bathing workshops in Central Park before returning to his home state of Vermont in 2015. We recently met up to talk about the beauty of nature, why he left acting behind, and how being a guide fulfills his life. Here's Duncan. I want to thank the sun, so thank you, sun. Thank you, clouds. Thank you, sky. And I also want to honor and recognize that we're on stolen land, so this is unceded and unrelinquished territory of Vermont Abenaki people. So I wanted to say that and also to honor their survivance and their resilience. And they're here today with us in in our community and we have so much to learn. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Thank you. (laughs) And Shelburne Farms is a really important place to honor the land and come here and, and learn about it too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you worked, you were in New York City, you were yeah. an actor and producer, and then yeah. you became a guide. And I'd love to first hear, did we Did we ever see you in anything? Or have you, were you involved <laughs> in anything? Are you, I'm so curious. So I, yeah, so probably not, or you might have, but it was so quick. Yeah. I have small parts in really big production oh. movies. Yeah. So I don't know if <laughs> I love <I'll>, movies. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm crazy about movies. So I'm in uh, briefly in the Good Shepherd with that's directed by Robert De Niro. I'm one of the, one of the Bonesmen on the Skull and Bones, and no no speaking. And then I'm in quickly Meet Dave, which is an Eddie Murphy movie, and so I have a little bit with him on the street. Cool. And I'm in the pilot of Gossip Girl really quickly. Really? <laughs> yeah, at, at the bar. Nice. So, and other than that, those are, you know, those are really small even parts, if you could even call them that. And the the, you know, the bulk of the acting, the craft especially was in like independent movies and also a lot on stage doing improvisational theater. So those were live and, and um, yeah, you had to be there at the moment to see it. So you get like a suggestion from the audience. There's like two forms of improv. There's like short form, which is more gamey. Like, I don't know if you remember whose line it is anyway. And then there's long form improvisational theater. And that's more like almost, it's like a long play and and it's almost dreamlike or it comes back, you know, themes come back and you get one suggestion in the beginning and you run with it the whole show. So I did that and I created a really cool group called Face 
and we worked with a live jazz band on stage and so we would interact it was like we would interact with the music live and everyone was improvising and it was just like just it's crazy really crazy and awesome i learned a lot from improv like life skills like yeah, yeah for sure really yeah i mean i remember i mean even the, in the theater at the the pit in in new york city where i performed a bunch there was scrawled on the wall from the founder of improv del close called and he said follow the fear so there's a del close the founder of improv and so that's kind of like a life life lesson too not only on stage is but in life follow the fear and then and listening active listening and not being in your head and thinking of a response or thinking it's really it's it's a it's a great way to be in the moment and to yeah so it's a great and also yeah how to how to interact with people in the moment yeah that's good I mean, at first it probably feels like a lot of pressure, but then it probably becomes natural. Yeah, there. Yeah, the, there's always for me a, a little spice of fear, and then leaning into that fear and seeing what's on the other side was fascinating. I bet. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or extrovert? I learned recently that I, I realized, like, I kind of changed the definition of introvert extrovert. It's like introverts get their social fill quicker so they get sated quicker than extroverts and extroverts need a lot more so to feel to get their full so i i don't know i think i'm around in the middle yeah i feel though when i reach my capacity and it starts to drain me more than it feeds me and i'm still kind of getting monitoring that you know you have to listen to yourself right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it's yeah. That's good. Trying to do that a little bit more. Yeah, that's good. And then when you were in New York, you um, told me that you first, you did a forest bathing walk in Central Park. Yeah. So I want to hear about this, how you got there. How did this start? Yeah. So so I was an actor for about a decade, and I eventually, well, I was married, to to, to be personal here, I was I was married to a woman who was also an actor, and we went to an acting conservancy together, and we were really steeped in acting. And that relationship ended, and we divorced. And it was a pivotal time in my life where I realized I was committed both to this marriage, but also to acting and the craft and just being with it forever. You know, so when I realized that in the impermanence of things with the the divorce with the divorce and the marriage ending, I realized that you know maybe I could let go of acting, and that was an option for me, and maybe it wasn't the most healthiest thing for me and and I could feel it, I could feel that it wasn't my path anymore and and something else was. And so I worked with a career counselor that was a free service through the, the SAG-AFTRA, which was amazing. They what would is ha- SAG-AFTRA is a Screen Actors oh, Guild. okay. American Federation of Television something, something. Yeah. So they had a, f- a free service. It's a nonprofit part of their, um, of their union. And so I worked with this amazing counselor. 
And I was like trying to find out what it was. You know, what's my next career? What am I going to do? I just spent a whole decade of my life pursuing acting and, and being an actor. And so she had a, amazing exercises and, and things. Like one was, she said, okay, well, for the next week, I need you to record everything you do every 15 minutes. But I think prior to that, she's like, what are, what, what are your values? What are the things that are really important to you? And then she would say, record what you do for the week. And then she's like, how does that match up? Like, are you doing the things that are really important to you? And so keeping a log and then looking back and be like, wow, you know, no. <laughs> and so I was like, I love nature. I, I have always loved nature. And I always seek out wherever I am, wherever I've, I've been in my life, seek out natural areas, even in New York City, there are places. And so I pivoted and I got a job as a gardener, first doing like celebrities and wealthy people's balconies. And then with that experience, being able to get a job at the New York City Parks Department as a horticulturist, as a, as a gardener. <laughs> and, and then I met someone who worked at a prison at Rikers Island. So Randall's is different than Rikers. Randall's is like a public park area. And so she worked with inmates and she used horticultural therapy. So it was basically gardening with inmates so to help to help them and for to stay sane, I imagine, and to connect to nature really. And so I was fascinated by that. And then so I looked into that and I and I said, "Oh, I I'm not a botanist. I don't have such a my knowledge is, is fairly limited. I was learning a lot being a gardener, but so I, w I went to Google and I was just, I Googled horticultural therapy. I was looking into it. You can get, you can get educated in that. And then I was just like, I, I know forests so well. And so I just plugged that in instead of horticultural therapy, I plugged in forest therapy and it came up as a thing. And I was floored. I was like, there's a, such a thing? Really? And this was in 2014. And nobody had heard of it, really. As um, I hadn't heard of it anyway. And, and so there was the first training in the United States through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. And I, I said, it was one of those moments where you just are like, Absolutely. This is what I have to do. I bartered my way. So I, I produced and directed like a, like a promotional film for them, a uh, short, while I was out there doing the training. And, and I had some support from friends and family to, to get that flight out there. And so I got the, I trained out there. It was like a four night, five night experience. And then after that, and it was incredibly transformational. And after that, I had like a six month practicum to do with a mentor. And so that's where I chose Central Park to do these walks. And there's an area called the Lock Trail. It's around 80, it's around 80th Street on the west side. It used to be, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautifully, it's, 
beautifully designed Frederick Olmsted, who who had a hand in designing the landscaping here, which was kind of a cool connection. But it's it was designed to feel like kind of the woods in the Adirondacks. So there's like a waterfall and uh, nice meandering trails and a little little stream that leads to or comes out of the reservoir. There's some really cool features in there. Is it a big? Yeah, it's pretty big, and they've done a lot of work on it too. Even the the year or so that I was guiding there, they were really enhancing the area. So when I first started, there were some areas that were a little sketchy, but they've really, it's, they've really landscaped it very, very well. It's, it's a beautiful area. And so when you're in this kind of like area with the sound of the water, you can't hear the city at all. Oh, that's so nice. So that's especially, was especially appealing. And who were the people that were, that you were guiding out there who were doing like were people signing up and saying what the heck is forest bathing or did they kind of know about it or yeah so i i did it on meetup first and i still have the meetup account it's really cool to look back Mm -hmm. and i just put it out there and people came and they're curious and they're the same type of people that come today in vermont same exactly the same people who are curious people who love nature and people who want to to learn about forest bathing so and then when did you return to Vermont? I came here in 2015. So yeah, it was a little, a little bit maybe a year or less guiding in Central Park and then I yeah, I moved I moved up here because I was looking to spend more and more time myself in nature. Yeah. And you knew Vermont, you grew up in Shelburne. Yeah. And you mm-hmm knew the area and so you came back with a plan like this is i want to offer forest bathing and i want to do it in vermont yeah yeah i can't it was yeah i came came back came came home and it's very it's just really meaningful for me to to be able to to make that journey so and yeah that was the plan and i also looked for more nature related work and i started to work at the intervale center and so I also work there as the natural area stewardship coordinator. So I help people, I provide opportunities for the community to connect to the land through stewardship. So so like through shared stewardship. So that's a cool kind of, it's a cool balance between, you know, the forest bathing and also like active, like, yeah, stewardship, taking care of the land. So, so. I should have asked this earlier, but can you define forest bathing? Like, what is it? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Because, yeah, a lot of people hear it and they have all these assumptions. So, yeah, forest bathing, it's a research-based practice that supports healing and wellness through the intentional and conscious immersion in forests and other natural environments. So it doesn't always have have to happen in the forest. So the, it originated in Japan, this practice, as a, an official practice in 1982 by the Japanese Ministry of Forestry, Fishery, and Agriculture as an initiative to help the, the population that was at the time experiencing extreme stress and work-related illnesses. I think they even termed a coin Kuroshi, which is death by overwork. <laughs> and so they decided to create a program to help, and it's the direct translation is forest bathing, and it's called Shinjin-yoku, 
is the the term and so that it's also directly translated as like taking in the atmosphere of the forest so that's where you get forest bathing so it doesn't require you know taking your clothes off and bathing in a stream or anything although you could do that right and and with that the advent of the practice was also kind of a research base to to show that this is an effective way to support healing and wellness and it's spawned to this day it's 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 really inspired a whole huge growing body of ever growing body of research that that's that shows that nature is how it's it positively benefits our health and our physiology so i as a guide and as part of a network of guides too all over the world we look to those to that science and and we give a nod to those benefits and say yeah that's that's true but we also what's key is we provide the opportunity for people to embody that experience so it's one thing to know these things and to learn about them and and as an abstract but there's something to be said about doing it so we provide opportunities for people to to do it. And so it's not only getting benefits from nature as though it's a medication. It's more it's it's a, a relationship. And so it's what happens when we feel that we are all interconnected and and what is that like? What does that feel like? And what's our relationship with nature? And with any relationship healthy relationship there's reciprocity you're not just taking 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 how do you give and then also you know realization that we are not separate from nature we're part of nature and so kind of dispelling the myth of of separateness it's hard to explain but it's like yeah it's something you can you can feel and there's feelings that come out of this like awe or you know yeah. I, I think everyone in the everyone in the world has these feelings definitely so. when i did the workshop with you there's a real uh intensity to it like my memories of it are very intense and very vivid you took us out in the woods and you we were talking about listening to certain sounds we'd hear or just but it was just very powerful and i could see the i could see i think it's very real you know, maybe people think like forest. Yeah, forest bathing. What do you do? Get naked and like roll around in the snow or something? But it's like, no, no, you have, you know, I tell people, I'm like, you have to do this. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I have, I just really distinct memories too that kind of stay, stay with me. And, and that's what we're doing is we're, we're, we're building a relationship and relationships take time and it's relationships take time and it's subtle and it's like there isn't there isn't one thing we can do to feel connected forever to nature it happens in small moments and it happens all the time the but are we listening and are we are we seeing that are we open to that or are we preoccupied with our thoughts and preoccupied with Everything but what that's nature the hard is part. offering us. Yeah. Like slowing down or noticing and being present. Like, you know, your mind can be going 80 miles an hour or you're just thinking of, you're in the woods, but you're thinking of something else. But yeah. To like stop and take it in as a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah. Slowing down is, 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 is the biggest part. 
actually slowing our bodies down so that we're not like, you know, a train zooming, you know, 100 miles an hour through a landscape. We're like, you know, a snail. So it's like you can spend, I think E.O. Wilson, who passed away recently, and he's a, a biologist and studied ants. He he said, I think, I'm paraphrasing though, but like you could spend an entire lifetime at the base of a tree, you know, because there's so much life and there's so much detail happening. So slowing down, and he noticed that, he slowed down to notice the, the behavior of ants. And so it's like, so slowing our bodies down enough to notice the the pace of nature, which isn't, you know, like human, a lot of our human societal pace, it's, it's, it's can be really slow and subtle. And so, yeah, slowing our bodies down is huge and stopping to notice these things and, and allowing our minds to take a rest, really. Our brains are such amazing tools, but we don't need them all the time. We don't need our brains all the time, <laughs> that, that kind of executive functioning all the time. In fact, we're, it's, it's, it can be depleting. So how do you restore your mental facilities or faculties. So there is like science around attention restoration theory. It's where nature helps with mental fatigue. And actually there's studies of around that, about how you are exposure to, or just looking at nature and you're able to execute various like puzzles and problem solving skills faster and better if you've taken that, that time to be, you know, noticing nature. So nature has this incredible effect on us. Yeah, it has a lot of power. Yeah. Definitely. Incredible power. Infinite. As, as we sit here in the the snow and the freezing temperatures. But for some reason, it's like oddly comforting out here, even though it's freezing out. You told me that earlier when we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago that you're one of them. Um, there's a couple other forest bathing folks in the state. But is forest bathing something that's like catching on, do you think? Are more people doing it and hearing about it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so from the ANFT, the Association of Nature Therapy program, training program, has, there's been uh, a number of different training organizations popping up all over the world. And so guides, the number of guides are, it's, it's increasing exponentially really so and i think yeah and media is definitely catching on and articles are circulating and and people especially now i think are looking for something like this with the climate crisis and what do we do and so this this is an amazing practice for that and it's simple and it's so um it's so profound so there are, yeah, there are guides everywhere. And it's it's still, though, a budding discipline. Profession comes with many challenges. It's We're, we're trailblazing here. And who knows how it's going to go? You know, it could go by way of meditation or yoga or, you know, who knows? So there, there are guides to, to facilitate these walks. But also I just want to emphasize that forest bathing is something we do naturally. And we all have our own version of forest bathing. So you don't necessarily need a guide, but like meditation and yoga, having an instructor and a guide, and especially doing it in a group setting, 
is particularly impactful. What makes a good spot for forest bathing? Like if, if, if since I did a workshop with you and I'm like, okay, I want to go out in the woods and try this myself. Like, what do you mm-hmm. need? Well, Shelburne Farms is an amazing place. I love doing walks here. And there are areas in Vermont that are great for forest bathing. So though there are several criteria that I try to that I try to meet to do uh, guided walks with groups, mm-hmm. and those are areas, natural areas that have a trail. <laughs> And especially loop trails, something about a cir- being traveling in a circle and returning in the same place from from where you came from is is great. So I look for that, and this is these are kind of my criteria too. Other guides have different ones, but also immersive as soon as possible. So it's accessible? you don't have to accessible. Yeah. <laughs> That's another way of yeah. saying it. <laughs> you don't have to hike in. Yeah, right. Get um, right to it. You're right there at like the trailhead parking lot. It's and terrain that isn't challenging. So here at Lone Tree Hill, it's 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 it's, it's a slight incline, but it's not particularly challenging. So I look for areas that are relatively flat. Having different bioregions is always a plus. So here we're in this hemlock grove, but also we can we can pop out on on top of the hill there and have an incredible view of the lake. And then also you can travel a little bit further down in the sugar bush there, you know, amongst the the sugar maples. And so and then there's a field. Those are pluses. And having having the elements uh, such as fire and water is is really really great. So streams or having being able to have a fire. And the sound of the street, like the sound of water. Mm, yeah. Is that something you look for uh, in a place? Something I'm I'm delighted to find, yeah. It's just the, yeah, the wa- water, sound of water is just delicious yeah. to me. So it's one of the biggest ones is to have limited anthrophone, which is like human-made uh, noises. So traffic in particular. Mm-hmm traffic is 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 it pulls it's it's particularly challenging for people to work with that so i look for areas that have limited traffic noises and it's hard to find there's yeah it's hard to find there's like an acoustic ecologist gordon someone who seeks these areas the quiet quiet areas and they're it's it's they're becoming more and more extinct really these where is he is he based in Vermont? No, oh. he's not. He tra- I don't know where he's based, maybe out west. He travels around and he records quiet places and there's I think only 15 maybe designated areas in the United States and so he's raising him and his team and I think Quiet Parks I think is an organization that can comes out of that. He's trying to designate areas as quiet parks. I think there's one that was just created in Maine is protecting these quiet areas. It's kind of hard, can be hard to find, but it depends on the time of the day too, and the wind even, and so it's it's something that I look out for, but it's not something I stress uh, stress about because it's it's everywhere, you know. And that's also a nice lesson is that like we're part of we're part of nature, we are nature. So you know, the sound of an automobile is something that we've created as, you know, a way to get around. So 
I like to, you know, think of like, how is that different from like, say, a sound of like a horse or like, I don't know, you know, horse hoofs or something, yeah. right? But it's it's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch Little. for people. There are different ways you could you mm. could kind of handle that, mm-hmm. you know. Acceptance being another is kind of like reframing the sounds as kind of maybe whooshing of of the cars going by as thinking them thinking of them as like the whooshing of waves because sometimes you can make that association so those things help and other ones are just really guiding your awareness towards other sounds and so gently yeah bringing your awareness to even the sound of silence that's always around us or the sound of the birds so it's a practice really to be able to to do that in a gentle way too and one that doesn't you know doesn't stress you out so (laughs) for you since you got into forest bathing like what is the what has this done for your life what is it what do you find rewarding about it and what you know how has it maybe improved your life or Mm. changed it tell me about that it is it's been amazing and it's changed my life incredibly like I felt like I already had a deep connection to nature and it's deepened it even more and more and more and more every day. And so it's completely changed my life and it's really, it's made me realize, and it's a journey too, it's constantly evolving. It makes, it, it's making me realize that we're not, <laughs> there's more to life in the world than people (laughs) and there are there are beings alive beings in our part of our community and so the the pursuit of you know thinking of that abstractly makes sense be like oh yeah but but feeling that and and more and more it's just been really a, a beautiful a beautiful thing and it's allowed me to spend more and more time being a practitioner, great excuse to be more, be in nature more. So I think that that being a nature and forest therapy guide has been incredible for me. Mm. Yeah. Well, and you, I'm sure you help a lot of people and the experience itself, like I said earlier, is just like, it's profound and it's uh, memorable and, and it it's the feeling stayed with me for for days and the memory will stay with me forever from that day that I was out here with you with the group so it's it's just you know profound powerful work that you're doing so thank you yeah absolutely yeah and i also want to not you know i also want to say that that connecting to people too has been on a deeper level as well and connecting and building community that way and connecting with people whilst connecting to nature has been especially rewarding. So yeah, I wanted to Good. say that too. Yeah, no, I believe it. When you lead groups, like you have a very natural way of doing it. You, you, even if you're with a group of, I don't know how many there were out there that day when I was in the forest bathing group, maybe 10 people, I don't know. But you had a way of making everyone feel like you were talking just to them. It was something very, I haven't experienced that a lot in different, in workshops or things like that. So do you think background in acting has kind of helped you, I don't know, connect better with people when you're out here in the woods with them? Like has that, Mm. or your improv, I don't know, Mm. does that, you think there's a connection? Thanks for saying that. Um, 
getting that feedback is really special. So I, I don't know. I think it must have. <laughs> the acting. <laughs> it's the improv definitely is like is is and acting is is all about being authentic. And it is all about, you know, with especially the technique and Meisner technique, it's about listening and responding in the moment. So I think that that has helped me. And then also, also it's like I try to get out of the way mm. too. And a nice reframing that's happened too is like acting. I felt like, you know, it was about me and my performance and like, and trying to, um, you know, at a place years ago, trying to like be the best at something. And what I think nature has taught me is like, how can I, how can things move through me, I guess? And how can I, like I said, get out of the way and really just try to communicate as really as little as possible and let, and let the experience be what it is for people. So, and it's different for everyone. And so I want to try to, I want to honor that. And, and I, I recognize everyone's different. Everyone has their own conditioning and their own backgrounds. And, and it's a lot, there's like a whole galaxy going on in people that, that I'd like to just hold that space without judgment and allow people to, to live in their, in their experience and it's not about me. So I try to, I try to think of it like that. Yeah. That's nice. It was, I don't know, be kind of liberating. It is. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, I thought of it more of a, a performance and I would get really nervous and everything, but now less, definitely less and less and less and less. Now it's like, I don't, I, it's because I have an amazing scene partner. It's nature. <laughs> yeah. Nature's the star. You know, I'm just like a, a bit role, <laughs> a supporting supporting character. So yeah. I let nature do all the mm. all that it needs to do, mm-hmm. and it always delivers. Yeah, every time. As the sun comes out, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. To learn more about Duncan and his forest bathing workshops, visit natureconnectionguide.com. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And if you have story ideas or comments, please email me at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much. Take care and talk to you soon.